welcome back to another episode of Scions of the Southland. Um, it is Tuesday, January 28th, if you needed an update on the date. There have been a lot of things going on around the flats. It was a very busy weekend. Mr. Grant, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Um, went to practice tonight and played intramurals, so you could say I'm very sporty. Um but you can't because my beer belly exists now. But um, yeah, I did realize in the middle of your thing that by the time they hear this, it's no longer going to be Tuesday, January 28th. So they should probably not trust Signs of the Southland for their uh, calendar updates. But uh, otherwise, we got you covered on Georgia Tech Sports and hey, whatever. You know, date formatting and, and date encoding is hard for everyone. Okay. Calendars are not software and people's strong suit. Yeah, that's why uh that's why they make all those uh freshmen in 1371 make them calendars. Got to learn. Um womp, womp. yeah. Such is right. life. Where where shall we begin in the wide world of Georgia Tech sports, Mr. Grant? Um well, I think we should start with women's basketball so that way we can be uh done talking about women's basketball. Because I don't think they've really changed all that much, um, but uh, they have uh, they have notched two games under their belt, so it's at least worth talking about the results. Yes, let us discuss women's basketball played. Let's see, I should have been more prepared for this introduction. Uh, UNC and Duke. UNC, UNC and, Duke. and Duke. So proud. There you uh, go. They played UNC and Duke in back-to-back games. They lost to UNC 76-60, to and I believe they lost to Duke 58-54. It was like 14 uh, points. I think it was six points in the – I think 76-70 in the UNC game at home because I went to overtime, uh, and I don't think it was a 16-point loss. That seems too big. Uh, okay, 67-60. So don't trust us for the scores either. There you go. Okay. Um, yeah, no. So made it out to the UNC game in person. Um, biggest takeaway was probably that they got to kind of figure out who's got the hot hand a little bit better, especially from three. Um, there was a couple points where our three point shooting percentage was pretty abominably low. Uh, we started off hot, uh, but then probably would have been more productive to take drives into the paint. Uh, a couple times we got fouled um, and couldn't get the two in before we took the the shots from the charity stripe, and then we weren't that strong from the line. But um, all of that said, we did force overtime by draining a monster three with 11 to play. So I guess and that was versus my UNC, advice. to clarify. Yeah. Yes. Um, but So I guess if they had followed – my personal proclivities, they would not have gotten that three anyways. So I guess don't listen to me, but also please keep listening to me because otherwise we have no podcast. So, yeah. Thoughts? Yeah, so I I watched most of the UNC game and then I watched bits and pieces of the Duke game. And we've been spinning this yarn the entire time we've rebooted the podcast about this being a secretly great team or at points a legitimately great team but they 
either play down to their opponents or they suffer from the great ACC coastal curse of everyone being at more or less the same level of quality. And I think both of these things manifested themselves in these two games. I mean, the second game or the first game we went to OT, that game probably should have been won by UNC in regulation. UNC didn't get, have some calls go their way, and then they ended up – they just got in weird foul trouble near the end. There was um, a lot of fouls called in that game, yeah. Yeah, and then the Duke game, that I, whatever margin it was, I think it ended at under 10 points, but it was not an under 10 points kind of game. If you look at the 15. game flow chart – yeah, if you look at the game flow chart, it Duke was leading by 12, 15 for the vast, vast majority of that game. And Tech was only able to close it, close it down late and then let Duke get away at the end. So it's the same old story. It's they they just have to get more consistent. Like you said, they need to find they need to ride the hot hand rather than um, spreading the ball around. And if someone's ice cold like you just got to go by the data in that case and be like okay we can use this person to space space the floor out but we cannot pass to them yeah um i think you very accurately said this after the boston college loss was that it seems like teams could or had figured them out um and i definitely think that's true i think not that they played all that different but Teams have kind of figured out our MO. So I don't know what uh what Nell and the gang have got up their sleeves, but um with the calendar turning to February and us wanting to hang on to a uh to a decent seed in the tournament, because it has been looking like that most of the year. Knock on wood. Yeah, no, it's just pickup or kind of figuring out the hot hand kind of thing. Um way to make that scoring more consistent because we have great um, scoring assets in players, especially like Francesca Pon and uh, Jasmine Carson when she's hot. Um, she Kara can really Fletcher, play. who's um, pretty consistent. Yeah, Kubai, uh, Lodamai Lotnin. But it doesn't There's seem like – Yeah, it, it seems like we could get more from our bench and maybe spread the load a little more because, like, I don't know, when – when Francesca Pons on fire, then the team plays well. When Jasmine Carson's on fire, the team plays well. But uh, can't can't put the load all on one player's shoulders, no matter how good they are. You know, the the men have the same problem. the The defense is top tier. Well, for the men, less so. But for the women, it is it is a very very steely defense and a very very effective way of playing defense. But the points are just not there. They they definitely when when another team goes on a run, they struggle to struggle to keep pace at times, and that pace has outrun them in the last two games. Actually, the last yep. three four games, I would say. They are certainly a team that plays streaky. Um, either when they're hot, they're super hot, or when they're not, they're pretty much not. Um, and I guess. I guess the uh, better way to put that would be to say that they need to spread the floor, you know, to be able to get those, as Passner says, those kills where you get three straight plays where you don't 
uh, where the other team either misses a shot or gets a block, turnover, foul, whatever. Because um, if you can stop those before they start, you know, you're going to have better better game flow, better game management, keep yourself in the games before stuff kind of gets out of hand like that, like you were saying. Yeah, so seeing as that, I don't know, it doesn't close the book, but definitely sort of is rewriting on the same page if you get my metaphor here for women's basketball. Yep. Let's see, their next games are at Miami on, what is that, the 30th, which is Thursday. Uh, and then yep. at home versus Notre Dame on Sunday. So hopefully they fare better against both of those teams. Miami, I would say, is similarly ACC coastally. I think I haven't actually mm-hmm. looked at the numbers. Um, Notre Dame has been sucked down into that into that region as well because of just massive attrition over the last couple of years. Notre Dame's. Uh, what I like to call Warriors thing, where they completely fell apart uh, just Royals one year after they were in the, uh, after they were in the uh, championship game. I mean, it's Warriors thing, Kansas City Royals thing, LSUing. I mean, there's a lot of recent examples. LSU hasn't done that yet, but yeah, they have. Have you seen? They've lost the, like all of their juniors declared, uh, all their offensive juniors declared, their quarterback. Both of their wide receivers, tight end, uh, and then their he- almost all of their staffers have left. I'll wait till uh, they actually fall into the abyss before I declare them dead. But yeah, no, I, I, I get your point. Yeah, no, you can't. It doesn't matter how good your head coach is because uh, she's one of the best in the business um, mm-hmm. over at Notre Dame. But um, oh, they need to. They need to retool. They need to get out on the trail and recruit because they are not going to really be getting it done with this roster, it seems. Yep. It's just Muffin McGraw, like you said, is a very, very, very good coach. It's just something happened in the last two years where they're now just playing all like it's a very underclassman laden lineup i think or it's just not a very acc women's basketball caliber lineup so far well you know what team this most closely parallels right in my oh boy oh boy you please basketball oh boy i just opened a can of worms with that but oh absolutely i mean hopefully there's no unc uh fans that listen to this podcast and if there are well I don't know why you're here, but thanks for stopping by. I hope I didn't offend Downloads you. Downloads are appreciated. Maybe yes, the we we love the listener count, but your team kind of fell off a cliff, um, and that's not good, Chief. <laughs> however, however, uh, NC or UNC's men's basketball team does share with Georgia Tech's men's basketball team a win versus NC State. So that is a nice little segue into the next team we're discussing. Wow, look at I, you, I, old pro. No, that was that was rough. I, I could do better. Anyway, you know, work in progress. So men's basketball exists. That is the best way to put it. I don't know. They're not exactly the model of consistency. They're They've nine, 10 and 11. 10 and 11 now. Does the, does the win against Morehouse count? 
it's not it's not a quality win it's i don't think it counts towards rpi either or now well they probably. didn't they so they beat the aforementioned nc state team uh more or less at the death they almost let that one get away again um and then mm-hmm. they beat morehouse down and we got to see uh david Dedenko and who else got some nice minutes someone uh, shambari phillips got a, not a, like a ton of rotational minutes uh, yeah it was one of those games did he get in the game playing. yeah he he joined <gasps> a 3 2 he got 2 minutes and 20 seconds of playing time that counts he got a steal and a foul what a great yeah. time i mean you know stats on the sheet it's progress he was the only person who got in the game who didn't score. R.I.P. I thought Shahid. he hit a three. Shahid didn't. Oh, Shahid. I thought you were talking about Dedenko. Dedenko hit a three. Okay, cool. Poor Shahid. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, ACC play continues again this weekend versus Notre Dame on Sunday. This is a weird lull week in ACC on the ACC schedule. I think everyone plays a out of conference opponent or just like a generally weird opponent this week. Usually, I I feel like I speak for a lot of people when I say a high major like Georgia Tech, not as consistent or quality as they might be, should not be playing a D two team on their bye week. Correct. We played yeah. Yale like two years ago. Get that back. That's good. That is good scheduling. Morehouse, not so much. And also, that's just a lose-lose, even if you win the game, which we did. Yeah, you lose to Morehouse, that's a... Instant firing. I mean, there's no tarmac. You can't tarmac Passner, but can you, like, put him out on the Locker? 10th Street Bridge? Or Parking lot? Like, one of the spinning signs. Morehouse would have been bad. Scheduling them is a lose-lose decision. That's that's sort of the book on it. They probably shouldn't have beat NC State. Alas, Jose Alvarado was the hero with a school record-breaking nine steals and also, I believe, a team high of 26 points. Um, Something like that. Honestly, there's not much more to say on that game other than, man, NC State, Kevin Keats is not a winner. <laughs> no, he's not. And his team fouls way too much. I think they had... Four players with, or three players with four fouls and another with five, if I remember right. Like that's, they played undisciplined basketball. And I was about to say that them getting tech to the line was part of their downfall, but maybe that was part of the plan because they know we can't shoot free throws. Um, But in the end, we hit enough of them um, and won. So that's good. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, not much more to say. Move on. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Let's talk um, men's tennis. Okay, let's talk. So, men's yeah. tennis swept uh, yeah. at College Station by number nine, Texas A&M, but uh, eked one out versus Oregon, four to three. Yeah, Oregon Less was a deal. good win. Can uh, can we call the uh, A&M loss a uh, quality SEC loss? Because it just means more. I mean, more. That's, how, that's how you and... Uh, you and Ethan put it when we were discussing this, and I would like to learn more about how you are coming up with this quality loss idea. 
it it'd be like it'd be like if baseball loaded the bases in every inning but still got shut out in a game if that makes sense okay so let me let me try to distill this into tennis terms given my inexperienced tennis knowledge so basically they were in or took every singles match to a third set but couldn't seal it I don't know if I I don't think they all went to three sets but um but like it's it's the same thing Semantics. like you yeah, semantical point. But if you look at um, who did we play on Monday? South Carolina, right? We got swept by South Carolina, but in all those games, like and all those mat or yeah, all those uh, points, we were very much alive. You know, it wasn't a Georgia Tech rolled over and died. It was shoot, four of them went to three sets. Two of them, one of the ones that went to two sets, went to a tie break. The other one was bad, but like Georgia Tech wasn't out of any of those games. If you look at um, if you look at the like the box score from tennis in doubles, yeah, they got smacked in each of them, and doubles is usually our strong suit. Um, but they were only down one in the in tennis. Uh, you score, you win the doubles point by winning two of the three doubles matches. Um, they were only down one um, in on court one, no less when play was suspended in doubles and then in singles. So they lost on court one to the number, uh, Anders Martin, who's a freshman, lost to the number three singles player in the country. Uh, the first set in a tie break, and this is, was more. Uh, on court two, Cole Gromley, another young player, lost the number 27 in the country in three sets. Um Pablo Shelker, Shelcher lost to the number 10 player in the country on court three, seven, five, and then six, two, which was a little more, but like man's number 10 in the country. And then number one Oh five in the country took on our Marcus McDaniel, who's also a freshman. Um, and tech was leading in the third set in that one. Um, they were tied in the third set on court five and they were only down uh, a game on court six. Um, again, these are freshmen. Carlos Devar wasn't playing singles. Like these are, again, I'm probably talking too fast or not explaining enough. But I don't know. One, two, three, four of the six singles were in third set. Uh, one and the other two, one lost in a tie break, and the other, uh, the other went to seven. So I don't know it. It sounds like I'm doing a lot of justifying and like, oh, but like if you change this and you change this, then we would have won this and we wouldn't done that, which is dumb. So I'm not going to. But I don't know. Georgia Tech. Uh, how do I put this? Um, they're they're right and and they're young. Their doubles have come along faster than their singles, which doesn't usually happen in college tennis with young guys. Um, and they're doing all this in singles competition without their number one ranked. Um, player right and nobody else on this team is ranked except Carlos Devar and the man can't play singles for whatever reason because he hasn't yet this year so I don't know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be too down on this team especially with the uh the solid win against Oregon Oregon's a good team okay that was a lot of words I understood most of them you know when you're when you're up against competition like that uber talented competition I think it's like when we talk about Here's a soccer analogy again, which is poor, but bear with me. 
we we talk about some teams being able to just out talent others just when they step on the field the the talent level there's such a gap between the two teams that they should be able to that that talented team should be able to win with you know relative ease or you can bet on that team to win like 999 times out of 10 but that doesn't mean the less talented team isn't going to give them a fight for it. And I think that's, that's sort of what we saw versus Texas A&M. Um, and I, and I, and to the weaker team's point in Oregon, probably, I don't know what Oregon's roster looks like. So maybe you can speak more towards that, but you know, that's what it sounds like at least. Um, first off, that's not a, it's not a soccer metaphor. That's an every sport every team everything ever metaphor yeah, but, so but i picked soccer because it bothers you the most thanks akshay good friend um no problem Oregon, uh we won the doubles point uh and the the match of that that we lost was the number eight team in the country taking on um a freshman and a sophomore and then in terms of singles we split that three three with oregon Court six wasn't particularly close. That was a loss for us. Uh, the point we lost on court three was uh, it twice in tiebreak, which is the most heartbreaking way to, to drop two set, two sets. Um, and then the we lost on court one. Honors Martin lost the number 14 player in the country. So, I don't know. I like seeing Honors Martin getting back-to-back shots at the nation's best talent, right? And this is after getting Columbia, Illinois, and uh, South Carolina in, all of which were ranked in the top 20. And these freshmen are seeing, like, great players, right? So, I don't know. The saying, oh, it's 4-3, they barely squeaked by against a, a probably better team um, based on how their numbers shake out. Um, or saying we got swept by number nine, Texas. Yeah, both of those are true, but it buries the lead. Like, like the it. Not that it's not all as gloomy, but like I don't think it's gloomy at all. Like it's it's a bunch of freshmen and a couple sophomores, and then an injured star senior and Chris Young, who's also a senior. Like in two years, this team's going to be fantastic. Cool. Moving on, on to the women. Women's tennis. Yeah, yeah. Stay in tennis. Um, this one's quicker uh, because they looked dominant against Wisconsin, so we don't really need to dive into that too much. Uh, but the win against South Carolina, oh baby, they didn't just beat South Carolina; they they handled South Carolina four one. Again, we just got finished talking about how the four zero against Texas for Texas A and M for the men isn't that bad, but for this women's team that had a disappointing year last year, but just a down year from the Final Four um, to come back and kick South Carolina on their home uh, on their home courts that's pretty darn good um especially when you consider that tech was either uh leading or like in the neighborhood on the other two courts like it wasn't it wasn't like we hit the buzzer like it's done like Georgia Tech was very much in this match and in control by taking the doubles and taking care of business uh where they needed to and Victoria Flores uh, sealed the deal. No, she didn't seal the deal. The last court was uh, court three. But um, Vicky Flores knocking off a top 30 player uh, was probably the unsung key to that match. 
So good for them. Earned her a uh, ACC Player of the Week. Yeah, I believe so. They are. Yeah. So let's actually go over their next fixtures. So men are right. facing Athens on Sunday at home, and then the women do the same on Thursday. Thursday. So I got my dates in the wrong order, but there you go. Yeah. It's hate week for 10 buyers. Um, I'm trying to get out there on Thursday. Hopefully my schedule works out. But, um, you know, Tech is 8-0. And the best part about them beating South Carolina is they get one, two, three more hacks at the 15 of the best teams in the country, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, if they lose in first round, sure. But they're going to be seeing some some good players. So, And maybe, maybe they'll win a game or two. And we'll be talking about how shoot, they became within a hair's breadth of uh, an ITA indoor title, and that would be pretty dope too. Yeah, I'll take it. I like quality losses. Yeah, cool. Listen, the SEC. <laughs> uh, but uh, we let's not let's not love- go there. I I have I I have thoughts on that one in a, in a variety of sports. Let's let's save that for another time. Yeah, summer maybe. Um, but um, what else do we have? Track. Track is up next. Let me let me read okay. off what you wrote back to you if I okay. have this open. So track was at they were at Clemson last weekend, and the yep. most notable point of that meet was Nicole Fegans. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um she demolished a quarter century old school track record in the mile with a time of 44328. Uh, which was second place on that first day of the meet. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's there's a lot of other things and numbers in here, but I, I think we need to focus on a school record breaking. That's awesome. <laughs> That's yep. that is like half, if not a third, of my mile time. It takes you twelve minutes to run a mile. Okay, exaggeration. Come on, laugh with me here. Ha 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 ha. Shut uh-huh. up. Anyway, tell tell me more about how this meet went. They were up in uh, Clemson. They ran against a couple other teams. Um, got a decent amount of podium finishes. I know the uh, uh, the dang it was it high jump or long jump? I gotta pull this back up. Uh, shame on me uh, for not. I can help you out with this. I see pole vault. I see triple nope. jump. And I nope. see mile. I see four hundred meters, and I see long jump and sixty meter hurdles. Oh, yes. Okay. So definitely wanted to shout out um, Taylor Grimes because the long jump and the 60 meter hurdles, um, two uh, top three finishes. Tech um, do, do, do. Um, also had uh, a good four by four, uh, four by 400 meter relay. Um, and that's another, uh, that's a week after doing great in the distance, distance medley up in Nashville. According to uh, coach, I need to figure out how to check this kind of stuff better. But according to coach, um, a lot of these top five finishes that they got, and there were there were 10 on the first day and a couple on the second day, many of them are top 25 performances in the nation. And uh, a lot of them sit close to the top of the ACC, which, um, you know, like we talked about Director's Cup a little bit in the past, but if you can get kids to regional, those kids to nationals, that even if you don't have enough to, win the team title, which is very hard in a sport like track or swimming or cross country to get those athletes across the board to, instead of just the, you know, the, like other worldly talent to win one race, you got to win a bunch. 
Um, but if you can just get them like a couple races at the end of the year, then they'll see great competition and uh, it looks really good for the athletic program. So again, having like Bria Matthews back will be big. Um, if Nicole Fegans can keep up with my on the distance events, that's uh, only going to speak well to not boost our prestige, but you know, like part of having a good program is, you know, outside football, men's basketball, baseball, women's basketball, softball kind of thing. Yeah. I, and I mean, there's, there's a number of finishes that, that just pop out to me. Third place in the triple jump. Uh, let's see, obviously the second place that we talked about 10 in the top five in total, uh, in a single day is very, very good. And that's if yeah. they can, if they can continue that sort of form moving forward, I mean, team title, like you said, is a stretch, but, uh, you know, and that, that's one of those things about track is there's so many weekends where they split the team and so many weekends where certain people don't run or certain people run off events and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, again, I'll draw a parallel to swimming, like, except track does schedule a little bit harder than swimming. But um, if you look at how their season is structured, I think I put the outdoor schedule on there afterwards. Yeah, I did. Um, mm -hmm. Like, it's really hard to, and again, this applies to swimming too. It's really hard to zoom out and say like, oh, like they only got X place at Florida State or Florida or Penn or whatever. Um, because, you know, so-and-so might not be swimming all their off events or their normal events. They might not have stacked a relay. They might not have, you know, this, that, and the other thing. So what? how I look at track um, is not so much what are their, like, finished places. Um, I guess you look at the times in, in events like these, but you know, like what, what is Grover saying? What is Courtney Sheely Hart saying? What are, um, what are the cross country coaches saying? You know, Alan, what's his face? I forget it. Trotsky, Trotsky. Yeah. Um, but like, if they're saying they're, they're generally pretty candid, especially the track guys. If, if they're running well, they're going to say like, Oh, we did well. Or gosh, like that, that wasn't good. There's not a lot of coach speak. So the fact that all the coaches are really high on it when they aren't usually ones to mince words on stuff like that, I'll take that as probably the biggest takeaway. Yeah, they play, play, that's the wrong word. They go to, let's see, they split Florida State and Raleigh one weekend. They split Florida and Auburn next weekend and split team. I mean, they, they split the team for those. Uh, then it's at Bama. They come back home for a meet. Then they split for Penn and Torin Lawrence, which I, I don't really know Athens. where that is. Athens. Where is that one? Athens? Okay. And then and then they have Duke and then Bulldog Last Chance, which I also assume is in Athens, just based yep. on the name. Yep. Uh, and then it's ACC. So it is a very, very full slate. And that's i mean we're just talking about march to may so that's probably like i don't know that's late march to may so that's nine weeks yeah that's yeah, 12 meets in those weeks it's chock full and it's it seems difficult on the face yeah and that doesn't include the rest of the indoor season too so that it's not like they're like done until yellow jacket invite they're they're still running all their indoor stuff they got indoor nationals they got indoor 
ACCs, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. it'll be it's good it'll stuff. be interesting to see how they do. And and like you said, it's the I think it's the time finishes and the individual finishes that matter more than more than the team. Yeah, and uh, uh, I'll try and use this to kind of segue into what we want to talk about next. But um, if you look at um, especially the pen relays on April twenty third to April twenty fifth, going to that is kind of like seeing our um, when our crew team goes to head of the Charles in Boston. Like there's certain there's certain meets, certain events, whatever sport you do that are just how you say like like your Super Bowl or something like that. You know, like it's it's the thing. It's Thrasher Cup for club hockey. It's, it's I guess swim club nationals, but it's when if you're UVA, it's when you play Virginia Tech. If it's baseball, it's when you UGA plays Georgia Tech at SunTrust. Um, stuff like that, you know. And like Penn Relays is the oldest and most prestigious event in this sport. So like the fact that they're like they're not going to win that. They're not going to come anywhere close to that. But they have a couple entries, and they're going to do however well they're going to do and see the best teams in the country. And that's, that's all you can really ask for, you know, best countries or best teams in the country, best talent in the country. Like you said, it's the super bowl for track. So, okay. All right, cool. You, but they uh, are, they're off for right now. When is their next event? Do you have that track? on hand? Yeah. Yeah. I can pull that up. Um, allowing Damn. myself to vamp. I think it's two weeks out. Um, but it might only be one. Let me see. Scroll, scroll, scroll. That was January 25th. Yeah, so Bob Pollock. So they're back. They're going to split the team again. Or no, they're not. I lied. That's the next week after that. Um, they're all, well, not, I say all very liberally. Some of the team is going to go out to College Station um, to go to Texas A&M for two days. Um, given that that's far and an invitational, I assume – that it may not be the whole team or most of the team, but they'll get some athletes out there. Hopefully we see some good results. Cool. So you did touch on our club teams. So quickly reviewing what has happened so far with club uh, lacrosse started spring practice. I think hockey had a couple of games after the Thrasher cup um, that, uh, Thrasher Cup didn't go so hot, but I think they're back on track now. The last ranking that I saw, I want to say for the SEC HC, had uh, GT at fifth in the conference. So that's that's good. Could be better, but pretty good. Uh, and then you yourself were at Swim Club's meet. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> Um, shameless self-promotion. Uh, also, hockey's off until this weekend, so they have not been back. Um, oh, I think the only club sport in action, schedule. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, the only club sport actually in action was us. Um, that's College Club Swimming's oldest rivalry or whatever. I think that's what we're calling it. Um, but Auburn it and Georgia Tech. Belt. Yeah. Um, uh, we see each other twice a year, opening the fall and the spring. We go there in the fall, come back in the spring. Uh, double them up at home. This is the first year that um, the belt hasn't been split by the home team taking it. So Georgia Tech took it in the fall and the spring. Um, that's good. Um, we are defending two-time national champions, but Auburn isn't really – like they're good, but they're not that level 
sorry, Auburn. Um, so I don't know. It's good to get out and swim. Our um, our relays look good, and those are worth double the individuals. So just got to get everybody in the water and swimming. So at the sake of not bluffing my team's feathers too much, that's kind of the gist. Cool. Uh, what's y'all's next fixture? Um, we're up in uh, Emory on Saturday. Never been to that meet before. Should be interesting. Um, that'll be an invite though, so we'll probably get more of a sense for what the rest of the the South is at least is looking like. Uh, I think that's it for the main agenda. Uh, we had a couple yeah. of other notes. I think we wanted to touch on regarding football. Um, so yeah, national signing day. All right, yeah. quick hitters. So national signing day is next week. I think it's the fifth. Uh, 24-7's rankings were updated today. Tech has been bumped down to 26th in the nation after that update, which is kind of lame. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's 26th, and we're waiting on a couple commits, so it's it's fine. The name to watch, as has been since December, is Jameer Gibbs. Um, there are a couple of other schools involved, according to some of the other reporting out there. Uh, but it remains to be seen who he's going to sign with. And, you know, he has until the uh, the 5th to make a decision. So we will see uh, what comes up there. Either way, I plan on respecting his decision um, to all my Twitter people out there. There you go. Respect also, the don't tweet bees. Don't don't tweet at Croods, please. <laughs> don't don't yeah. tweet at Croods. I I hate that I have to say this. I hate that this has to be publicly posted everywhere on the internet. Don't tweet at high schoolers, please. All right, bad transition, Mr. Grant. What other recruiting news happened this week? Uh, we got uh, a second guy for 2021, uh, an athlete out of Grayson, uh, Jamal Haynes. We got a Vandy offensive tackle transfer, and they said he was one of the best uh, linemen in the SEC, which, um, as we know, just means more. So looking forward oh, to getting raised, him on board. definitely raised some eyebrows, I think. And Vandy was very, very sad to see him go. So that that's two grad transfers from the SEC. or I guess it's like the SEC's mid and lower tier, but you're still talking about two offensive line transfers from the SEC. Uh, being called up to shore up what was uh, the last-ranked unit per PFF last season. Woo! We love it. Yeah, so there'll be some improvement. There there should be some improvement. And then the, uh, the last bit of news that we have is that the 2020 schedule is out. It starts versus Clemson on a Thursday night yet again. The marquee game that everyone is looking forward to is the Mercedes-Benz game on, I believe, November 21st, 14th, something like that. It's in mid-November versus Notre Dame. Um, And then, as always, it ends versus Athens, this time in Athens. Um, Any quick thoughts on said schedule? Uh, Your numbers said how many wins should we expect? 4.6. I really am looking forward to the .6 of a win. That'll that'll be a a real doozy of a game. Yeah, if you want to learn more about the numbers, uh, I wrote a thing about that earlier this week. But yeah, the gist of it is uh, the expected number of wins is a sum of all of the win probabilities in all the games. And yeah, that it 
ekes out to just about 4.6. So there you go. Really game over game, not so great. But if you add them all together, progress. True. All right. It seems we are running over each other's words and uh, both getting fatigued this late on a Tuesday night. So any final thoughts before we call it? Nope. I'm going to bed. All right. So I will see you next week, Mr. Grant. All right. I still love you still. Oh, son.